0: Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish, and today we are joined by the author of the White House Pandemic Playbook. His name is Abby. What's going on, buddy? How's it going? How's that? Uh, how's that playbook treating you? It's
1: Working out pretty well. I think. Yeah. I think. I think one
0: person has read it. Yeah, you think you're going to finish yeah. writing? I didn't know you finished writing it yet. No, I have yes. It's still.
1: <laughs> it's still unfolding. I mean, it, like it refers to the pandemic as up and coming. Oh my God. <laughs> so
0: that's chapter one. The COVID situation yeah. is evolving. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, how's it going? It's going pretty well, man. How are, how's everything with you? For those at home who don't know, Abby's got a little scruff going on right now. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, you look do. very rugged, a, sir.
1: Uh, I think you can probably hear it on the, on the oh, microphone. That's, there. Don't do that. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good. It's it's a good. It's a good little scruff, you know. They, they said puberty was gonna hit, and uh, finally, it wow, did. that's a nice <laughs> one. Well, you know, that's a nice
0: segue <laughs> to this week's topic. And uh, this week's topic is about uh, evolution of the investors and the mindset of being an investor in this industry and evolving your game. Just so you've evolved your beard game here with us today. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be about talking about, you know, when we talk constantly about, look, you need to keep up and you need to keep you know, evolving your thinking. I want to actually get into specifics. Like, how do we do that? Why is that important? What are some examples of things that you and I have talked about on this podcast um, that we have kind of updated our thinking about? Right. Mm-hmm. And how we got there. And, and uh, we'll just go through some examples of that.
1: For sure, for sure. And I and I think it's very important, especially we when we were talking about this episode earlier today, you know, I started racking my head around where we were a year ago. And we were I think we were in Chicago a year ago.
0: Yep, yep, yeah, for sure.
1: Around, around this time. Um I remember I was looking forward to MJ BizCon. Mm-hmm. Um and that sort of just let me look through my portfolio and I pulled up, you know, what I what I'm holding now. I'm not holding as much right now, mm-hmm. but uh, from before and I would say my much like my beard. <laughs> Much
0: like your beard, your portfolio is underdeveloped.
1: <laughs> that was that was that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I'll give you that. So
0: um, I'm just kidding. You look lovely. So thank you, thank you. In terms of uh, so, so some topics we're going to cover today, um, we're going to talk about a vertical integration. We're going to talk about the importance of dispensaries. We're going to talk about extraction. We're going to talk about international market. We're going to talk about brands for uh, 2.0 products versus flour. We're going to talk about high-quality flour. And we're going to talk about medical versus recreational. And we're going to end it off by talking about the U.S. elections. We're only one week away. A lot of fun stuff, but we'll leave that to the end. Mm -hmm. right? Um, And just a a little housekeeping note. We... Typically, record these episodes on Tuesday night and then release them first thing Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to push it by a day. So we'll record Wednesday night because then we'll have, you know, the more, more relevant kind of election stuff to talk about. And I'll give
1: you my election predictions. Right. That episode, too. Well, you'll
0: do them now at the end of this episode. Well, no, I'll give it to you. After. Oh, you give it to I'll me, me after they Wednesday, vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after the results are in. Exactly. <laughs> and then so that episode will drop. Um, Thursday morning. So that's for next week only. Mm -hmm. And a second housekeeping item before I forget, um, if anybody is a a resident of Florida and is in the medical program, you have a medical card, please send me an email, cinpodcast at gmail.com because I would like to chat with you for research purposes.
1: Excellent. That sounds uh, lovely.
0: So, look, getting into... the meat of the episode. Um, One of the reasons why I want to talk about the election at the end of the episode is because, um, you know, it's really fun to talk about and think about, but a lot of it is actually noise, being that a lot of it is, you know, information that's not necessarily that important or useful for you as an investor in terms of making your investment decisions.
1: In cannabis, yes. In cannabis, yes. Actually, Actually, even in in general, too. Right, in general. Yeah.
0: And so one of the things about that is that Um, often, you know, we're talking today about understanding trend changes and it's easy to get distracted by noise, Mm -hmm. right? And it's sometimes hard to tell the difference. Um, But one thing just to note is that, you know, noise can be really fun. Right. It's really fun and exciting for new things to pop up, right? Uh, Shiny things will always come along and kind of attract your eye, attract your attention. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, a big part is as an investor is trying to understand what will matter, what will actually be important and could be a real change Mm -hmm. and what is just noise or what will not have that big of an impact.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: The other thing of just the why of this episode, right? Um, We've said this many times that like you need to keep improving your game. I mean, think about how much, Evolution has happened in the way the market, the cannabis market, even thinks about the industry mm-hmm. in six to eight months, right, or even a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you know, if you chatted with somebody who was who was a big cannabis investor in the 2018 Canadian LP days, yeah, right. I mean, imagine that conversation you would have today, right? If you chatted with the person who hadn't paid attention since 2018 or 2019, which is a
1: lot of people who aren't invested in cannabis. Like, if you talk to, a, I talked to some. Um, just people who don't follow the space as closely as we do, and they still think, they're like, oh, well, you know, the sector sold off so much. Look at Canopy, look at Aurora, look at Africa. I'm just like, well, yeah, but there's been new stars that have come up on there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, especially in Canada, right, because everybody and their mothers was talking about cannabis, hearing about it. Mm-hmm. um, And, you know, that bubble really popped yeah right and you know if if, to those people it's hard for them to even ever get back into the space right for sure because they were burned so hard well so this is why sometimes noise isn't always just a shiny object
1: and sometimes it it does make sense to pay attention to sure um especially when you're a little bit more tactical Mm -hmm. in your portfolio management or portfolio three whatever however you want to define it um you know, it creates a lot of opportunities. Whether it's arbitrage, whether it's dips, um, whether it's whether it's quite uh, quite quite a bit more in terms of you know, um, yeah, I guess arbitrage dips are the are the best best. Ways it to creates do it. opportunities. It creates opportunities, right? Exactly. And so I would say um, it's not you, you shouldn't always ignore the noise, but you should be able to differentiate what is like meaningful. Mm-hmm. Right. What is a material change and what is what is noise? You can still you can still, you you know, make money on the noise.
0: Part of what's so difficult about that idea of what is real change and what is just noise Mm -hmm. is that is what makes this industry so exciting is that nobody knows. Nobody has the answer. Right. So people show up and they pound the table and they seem very confident and they say this will be the next big thing or what you're holding is crap, everything's going in this direction. Right. And I'll give you an example of this. It is... Um, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but, you know, people were talking... A lot of suits, who, who I think maybe don't really understand the cannabis consumer that well, mm-hmm. were saying, look, flour's done. Yeah. Right? Flour's antiquated. That's what your grandpa smoked. Yeah. Right? That's going to die out and everything will be 2.0. Yeah. Right? And... It's very tempting to just buy into these stories, but, you know, getting to the meat of this episode, show me the results, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I believe 2.0 products are going to be very large. I believe they're going to be half the market and maybe more in the future.
1: Right, because when you say show me the results, California was a good example because I am a believer in that theory. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I really do think that. No, you're the smoking. suit I was talking about. <laughs> it's a nice, well-fitted <laughs> suit, though, nonetheless. Clean shave and no beard back then. There you go. But no, I I, I really... Prior to Kim Rivers and leave mm-hmm. she was the one who came out and sort of debunked that thesis. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and why Why is that? Why did she come out and debunk that thesis? Like in, in your
0: mind, it's because... Just explaining to people, it's because... Oh. because True Leave and Florida in general yeah. started with only extracted products, right? What and- what Canada would refer to as 2.0 products, right? Exactly, right. It was really mostly vapes, tinctures, etc. No mm. edibles until recently, and then flour only came online in early 2019, I think March or April. Right. There's also yeah. So sorry, you're right. Right. That's, and then that's the and then flower has been a huge explosion, like over like roughly 50 percent or more of sales. Show, right. Showing you that in Florida, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a huge demand for flour. There is a demand for flour. Massive right. demand for flour. Yeah.
1: However, as, as so if you looked at how cannabis was originally sort of positioned in terms of legalization, it was more m- like medicinal. So if you look at medicinal cannabis or medical cannabis, um, what doctor in their right mind would go tell you to start smoking, right? So that was the whole theory where it's like, look, it doesn't sure. make sense. There should be a, a capsule, a mm-hmm. tablet, on the medical side mm-hmm. on the recreational side you know people would like to drink it people would like to eat it people would like to vape it there's much healthier alternatives there's a there's no denying it there's a massive health trend that happens in general not just in cannabis but you know people are more co- cognizant of what they eat people people don't smoke like, I, I like it's crazy um you know when you and i grew up we grew up with anti smoking ads so sure. we don't you know I don't know that many people who go out and buy packs of cigarettes all the time anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, but I do know people who smoke cigars and mm-hmm. people who smoke cigars quite a bit. Sure. Um, for special occasions. And so that was the theory of this is what's going to happen with cannabis. The dry flower is going to be the high quality premium stuff is going to do well. The low quality, um, low cost stuff will do well as well because there's always a consumer for it, but the mid tier market, is going to deteriorate and that market is going to, uh, be pushed towards the 2.0 products
0: right and so so a couple of things to unpack there but um, what and actually what you just talked about the high quality flour and then the value flour yeah that's actually a more evolved thesis That wasn't really something people were talking about over a year ago. No, they definitely were. No, they were talking about flour being commoditized. Yeah. There being no brands. Yeah. But high quality flour is actually a newer thesis. No,
1: I think, I'm pretty sure we could even pull, I don't know if we, we, you and I talked about it in our, um, on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. that's a thesis that I believed in for, I'd say, almost two, three years now. Okay,
0: fair enough. I'll tell you from my perspective, I wasn't uh, focused on that. I think I've used that exact analogy, actually. In terms of- the cigar analogy. Okay, interesting. Oh, actually, I think you have yeah that that high. But what maybe would be surprising to you is somebody was showing me the data for Canada, the premium flower segment, which is defined as over ten dollars a gram or maybe over nine dollars a gram, mm-hmm. um, is as large by dollar volume as the value segment. But the val- okay. But what about the mid tier
1: segment? What's the, what's that? So that I don't know. Right, so that was the segment that I mm-hmm. that everyone thought was going to get pushed out because the low quality flour, like mm-hmm. it's just high volume, it's cheap. No, big, you know, I don't think about it. It's for the mass consumer or for the for the person who who consumes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have like the what what most people would buy, which is like the mid tier stuff. Okay. Those those people would get would have gotten pushed out to 2.0 products. And then the premium flour, you're always going to have a connoisseur, you're always going to have craft. You're always going right. to have like the beer right. It's like sorry, we also used a beer example one time when you and I were in our chat.
0: But the I think what is surprising, was surprising to me to get to get into it with mm-hmm. the high quality flour was you know, sure, you're always going to have that top level consumer, right? Mm-hmm. But what was surprising to me is how strong the sales are. Like, I never would have assumed that you have the same amount of sales at the top that you do at the bottom. Right. That's a big, I think that's very different if you look at other industries. Like, I don't think cigar sales don't
1: equate to cigarettes. Well, c-
0: cigars right. are different. That's kind of, a, you're looking at it's almost like if you look at alcohol, the top shelf alcohol making as much money as, you know, the the, the Smirnoffs of the world. You know right. what I mean? Like that to me is really interesting.
1: I wonder if that's, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I yeah, don't maybe I, I don't know, yeah. right?
0: The other thing, um, and so to me, that was a thesis that I didn't really pay much attention to, this idea of super high quality indoor flower. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to kind of back to the idea of like how do you determine what's real and what's not, for me, results are number one. Right. If you can show me the results of people who are doing it and not not just one quarter. Right. I think sometimes people get too caught up on one data point. Mm-hmm. You really need to see multiple data points over an extended period of time. Right.
1: But for this, for say last year, we didn't have those data points. Right. You we, we were pointing to California and mm-hmm. Colorado, which were mature markets and saying this is what, you know, mature markets prefer. The cannabis sure. the the consumer has evolved and these are consumer
0: preferences. Mm-hmm. They prefer the high concentration extracted products. Right. Well again when you say that, so so the thing is people will often say that but then they won't show you the data. So again, in California for example, it's about 50-50. It it is about 50 right. 50 you m. get fifty percent extracted product, fifty percent flour. Right. So you can't say the consumer prefers the extracted product. Like they're they're equally strong. You see what I'm saying? Like they're they're it's not like it's 70% 30%. You're right, you're right. Sorry, that's if you look at that, that's if you looked at it at a point in time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sorry, that's if you looked at it
1: at a point in time. And, and
0: then sorry, to further go into that, the extracted products, that 50% of the pie is broken up further, right? Into vapes, beverages, edibles, tinctures, yeah.
1: right? So we just we just classified that whole thing as high concentration products. I,
0: I understand, but what yeah. I'm what I'm getting at is that you as an, an actual if you're trying to focus in one area, flour can be, you know, Twice as large as vapes, right? Because vapes is maybe thirty percent, edibles is kind of you know fifteen percent, yeah. Tinctures are five percent, right? So like you look at it, people go, "Oh, the extracted product is more important than the flower," maybe, right? And then you can also say, like looking forward, the extracted product is going to keep growing. It was that's what it
1: was. It was because when we looked at it, when when we're talking, we're we we're looking at a point in time. But mm-hmm. if you looked at growth. You would start noticing that um, the concentration, the the high concentration extractive products, were growing at a larger pace than dry flour was, and right. the reason for that was, you know, these there's new products coming out all the time. Sure, it's, it's you're gonna just... capture
0: the Chardonnay mom exactly. She, you know, doesn't want to smoke flour necessarily, but you know, she's open minded to you know a spray, a beverage, yeah, a or beverage, a spray, whatever, exactly. you know, yeah. a pill, uh, mm. whatever, right? But Actually, this is very important because this is key to the idea here, which is that you can really get sold on a story. The -hmm. story can make perfect sense. You know, the idea of capturing the Chardonnay mom and selling, you know, her that new product, right? That's going to be the next big thing. Um, But again, where are the results? So a year, two years, three years ago, there was a lot less results. Mm -hmm. So we were a lot more story-oriented, right? So one huge shift, I would say, is the the shift to actually show me show me right or if you're coming with something really new and innovative i better be getting you know i better feel very comfortable that you have a lot of access to capital and i better be getting a really good deal right right to participate and take all this risk Mm -hmm. and why to me it's so so important in this industry to you know you got to keep your finger on the pulse is that the textbook the rules the the you know, the uh, framework of all of this industry is still being built, right? Like five years ago, the way cannabis was consumed, like there's so much change that's happened from, he- you know, in those five years. When you think about the prevalence of vape devices, right? The uh, the onboarding of, um, you know, regulated uh, edibles, right? When you think mm-hmm. about even just like when I look at like flour, right? Mm-hmm. Like... You, you know, I was somebody who's, who's you know, to your point, saying, you know, I don't really want to smoke. It's bad on the lungs, right? Um, but, you know, they've come out with all these great vaping devices. And I don't mean, like, oil vape. I mean, like... But
1: those have been out for a while, right? Like, the volcano was out 10 yeah, years, but, ago, so, so, years ago, yeah So the
0: volcano is a completely different animal, though, right? You have to fill up a whole bag. No, no, no,
1: but that technology was there. And then I, they had the handheld... But if you look at, like,
0: PAX, too. right? Like, the yeah. PAX device, mm-hmm. like, the, the dry flower vape... To me, that is like f- a game changer. But they, but there was other companies that had that though. Sure, but again, like I w- when I uh, came up seeing people use these uh, vapes that were like, "Oh, you gotta you gotta wait for it to heat up, and you gotta like, yeah. you know, it takes ten minutes." And right, and I I guess the point I'm getting to here is like, cannabis is such a wide industry. Mm-hmm. The consumer base of cannabis is super super wide. That is one of the really exciting things. You know, if you just go to a dispensary and look around and hang out there for a little while, you will see customers of different race, different age, gender. You know, the way they're dressed. Like, it really captures a huge um, cross section mm-hmm. of uh, of the population. So you or I might feel a certain way, and we might feel completely different than the Chardonnay mom. And that might feel completely different from the you know the two gram a day stoner, right? Who might feel completely different from the medical patient, mm-hmm. right? So, you know what we believe to be okay. This is the right answer. That, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Right, it, it might yeah. make sense for us. Right. But maybe we only represent ten percent of the market.
1: No, I, exactly, exactly. That, that you know what? That's I didn't put this on my notes, but that's one thing that I notice more and more is that my way of thinking in terms of how the actual cannabis consumer. Um, how, to, how, to, how to target the actual cannabis consumer has changed quite a bit too, right? You and I talked about this all the time off, off air, and it mm-hmm. was like your, your analogy, which is a beautiful analogy, and it goes, if you're making a new beer, are you targeting people who don't drink beer or are you targeting beer drinkers? And I was like, of course,
0: you know. I, I mean, you could say, look, I've got this new beer. Um, you know, it's, it's, very, it's a very light beer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go after the Chardonnay mom, you know, the the wine drinker and i'm going to get them to drink beer right mm-hmm. and on paper in a boardroom, in a pit you know in a in a pitch that might sound pretty good
1: but but actually you know what I, so i was, I've, I've been doing a little bit more research on this and i started listening there's another bo- podcast called business wars and i started mm-hmm. listening to it oh one. it's a great one yeah amhauser bush they have one and so that's what they did with the Miller High Life. Mm-hmm. They did that whole, they went after a new segment. Uh, when I was listening to it, I was thinking about our discussion that you and I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately it did well. The, the beer did well for a little while, but they were realizing that it was a different market than what they had actually targeted who was buying it. Um, and then when they actually changed their marketing campaign to address that that market that was actually buying it, the sales started going <laughs> 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 it was pretty funny, but and but so, anyways, it just goes to show you how, um, as 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 this industry has evolved, my my level of thinking in terms of actually how to turn sure. a consumer has changed
0: drastically. And like to bring it to alcohol, I mean, look at how much the alcohol industry has changed in only five or ten years, right? I mean, White Claw, right? I mean, this idea of these of these hard seltzers, right, or yeah. or ready to ready Vodka ready mixed drinks, yeah, yeah, like these were not around ten years ago, no, yeah. or at least they weren't, you know, that popular.
1: Also, that also goes back to the consumer becoming more health conscious across the board. Agreed. Fully
0: agree. Fully agree. That's definitely a trend. So look, let's actually... uh, There's a lot of topics on here we haven't touched on, but I want to talk about one that's brands and high-quality flour and how these two are related, okay? And, Abby, you have a saying about brands? There's
1: no brands. There's only labels. Right. And and Uh, Now, now, cookies... Is the brand that I only brand that I can think of that actually exists? And the reason that I say that is mm-hmm. I I've known about cookies for I don't know whenever you first told me about it like <laughs> sure. a year ago, and I didn't start noticing until people started telling me oh cookies 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 sure. and then now when someone says cookies I actually think of cannabis can- before as you opposed think of cookies actual yeah. cookies which is saying what? a lot for yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you looking at that, the I gut. Didn't, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking.
0: About. So so look. I- First of all, I, I would. I'm glad you brought up cookies because that's actually that is literally the brand that first of all is a brand and helped me understand the power of uh, two things: high quality indoor flower, and secondly, something called bag appeal. So bag appeal is you know when you buy cannabis and you a lot of like so in a lot of states or or provinces you're not allowed to actually open the product or have uh, be able to see the product before you buy it. Okay, you can see the container but you can't actually open it and see it, okay? So bag appeal is when you buy it, you go home, you open it up. So it's, it's the packaging, the experience of opening it up, and then the when you look at the flower, okay? And bag appeal is very, very important uh, for two reasons. One is that it's the experience for the customer, mm-hmm. right? But secondly, this is, you know, we live in the Instagram generation. And... You know, what do people like to do? They like to get their product, take a photo of it. Well, there's like unboxing videos on YouTube. 100 a massive thing. I 100%. watch them. I watch a lot of them. 100%. I mean, on Reddit, like that's, yeah. I, you know, like I, I you know, we, we've talked about this. I, I look at the Florida forums a lot. I look at all the various forums. I have literally bought product because it had awesome bag appeal, right? Or even, you know, there was one that had a really cool container. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that kind of draws your eye to it. Yeah, no, packaging is very important. Very important. But then... Beyond that is the when you look at the actual buds, right? The way the buds look, um, trichomes have have quickly kind of become an indicator of quality. Mm-hmm. So if you have that really crystally kind of look to it, that is associated with very very high quality. Right.
1: Right. But you and, need you, in order to build a brand. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off there. Good. But in order to build a brand. That bud that, that, uh, appeal, I'm going to call it, for okay. when you look at it. Sure. Um, not bag appeal, but bud appeal. When mm-hmm. you look at the bud, in order to get that, you have to consistently be able to cultivate. Yeah, for sure. A, a lot of brands, I'm using air quotes here, weren't able to do that early on.
0: Even still. I mean, it, yeah, it, exactly. even still, it's not easy to get super high quality flour like that. Right? So this
1: it's, is why I say there's no brands. There's only labels in the space.
0: Right. But I mean, so cookies is, you know, clearly... A brand, right? Cookies is, I, I would say cookies is the closest thing to being sure, a brand. Sure, fair enough. So when you look at cookies, um, by the way, a, a really cool uh, thing to follow is Gage Cannabis. So G-A-G-E Cannabis. That's a single state operator in Michigan. And they have a partnership with cookies. So they're the exclusive grower and retailer for cookies in Michigan. Um, and that was something I started tracking that really helped me understand because like You know, not only the flower, but just their packaging is so cool, like the way that and I was like, you know what I would like I could see that people would buy way more if it looked like this, if it was marketed like this, if it you know, so so in Canada, we have the plain packaging rules. so Mm -hmm. You can't do any of that. Right. And now I understand why, because I'm like, you know what, if it looked like this, yeah, it would be really appealing.
1: Right. Well, in California, right? When you go to California, the packages are are insane. They're gorgeous. They're, yeah, exactly. They're, they're beautiful exactly. for sure. But, but sorry, but Gage has Gage has a Canadian arm and a Michigan and a, um, yeah, Michigan arm or so, American arm.
0: Yeah, so Gage, for example, has a brand in Canada, that's that's grown by the sister company, but the real operations of Gage is in Michigan. Okay. So I think they split them because they figure they realize that look, the money's not in Canada; it's in the U.S. So let's, you know, we'll just make this our main one, and yeah. Gage will just be a brand in Canada. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, and so like,
1: what, what what does a Gage package
0: look like that that sort of appealed to you? Um, color, so like orange the, the the no, no no. So you're thinking about Gage in Canada. So if you oh, go okay. on Gage Cannabis, you'll see the U.S. page. Okay. And they have a lot of the cookies packaging. Like an example, like they have a strain called London Pound Cake, right? And and um, when you look at the bag, the bag is like a really cool, multicolored kind of blue that has Queen Victoria on it. Yeah. And right. like just the whole, you know, the The, the way- London
1: pound cake sounds delicious. Exactly, right? Like right? It sounds funny. very cool. Yeah. So
0: so what I'm getting at is that, like that helped me understand, you know, the power of good packaging, good marketing, bag appeal, and then also, obviously, the, the quality of the product at the end of the day, right? right. When people consume it, how they feel. Because
1: like all that could be great, right? But if sure. you, just like you said, when you open the cookies, mm-hmm. the butt appeal, mm-hmm. which is we're coining, mm-hmm. The butt appeal is it consistent throughout? If I buy London right. pound cake, is mm-hmm. it going to be you know crystalline with the proper
0: trichomes, sure. the nice
1: long sure. buds,
0: and then the effect, right? Like when yeah. you actually consume it. But what I'm what I realize is the bag appeal actually has a big um, impact on the effect. Like same thing they show when people drink scotch. You know, if they drink it out of a nice glass, they perceive it to be better. So I actually believe there is some of that with regards to flour. Okay. When you when you open it in really nice packaging, when it looks beautiful, when you consume it,
1: you know one of the funniest things. I learned, this is just like a, a side story. Um, it might it relates to this, but when I was younger in university and I would buy alcohol right through the LCBO. Mm-hmm. So we were very limited to where we can buy alcohol here. It's one one outlet. And when I would go to the LCBO, when I was like I think I was like twenty one or nineteen or twenty one, something like that. It was a university, and I would try to buy like cool looking bottles. Yeah, of sure. The skull always bottle? Be, yes, that's the one that I'm talking about. Yeah. Actually, no, yeah, the skull bottle, the skull vodka, mm-hmm. terrible,
0: <laughs> awful.
1: And I learned early on the nicer the bottle, the, nicer the, bottle, alcohol, the, the, worse. the worse the booze. Because <laughs> you go look at like Johnny Walker, right? It's, I know that's like some people like, some people don't, but it's like a nice square bottle, mm-hmm. like, very, with very with classic, a, sure. Yeah, and it's a good consistent scotch, right? Mm-hmm. Where you go get like Tito's vodka, it's like. Very normal looking bottle, but very like plain packaging Tito's. Yeah, yeah. but that's so. This is funny because you're saying it's the opposite right now in cannabis, where the 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 perceived a a a pretty packaging. Mm perceives quality right now
0: I think so yeah I, I do think so I, I mean I, I'm not thinking it's across the board but I've noticed that with cookies like the packaging is on point the strain names are on point the genetics seem to be quite good right so so I'm definitely noticing that with cookies now where all of this you know the point of what I'm what I'm getting to is um, so that was something that you know I really shifted off of and and have come to the realization that look if you have the ability to produce high quality flour consistently you will command a premium, and um, it is a very, it can be a very defensible business model.
1: You know what they should do is for the, for like the other for the lower stuff. Should create a brand called Black Market and sell them little dime bags with like there is a weird brand in Canada
0: called Black Market, B L K M K T. Oh really? Yeah, and it's like the highest end, like eighteen dollar grams and stuff like that, and it's doing do seems to be doing. But it do really they come well. in little dime bags? No, they don't. Little smiley they, faces. They, don't. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't cracked that code yet. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 bag appeal to me, for sure. So on, um, I had one last thing on flour I'm forgetting now. Oh right, okay. So the the um, owner and proprietor of cookies is a guy named Burner. Okay, Burner's from the Bay Area. He's a rapper. Um, and I listened to one of the interviews he did like years ago on, on YouTube and was really fascinating to hear about how he came up in the cannabis game. Because I'm like, who is this guy, right? He's not like a big-time rapper, but yet he's built what is probably the best brand in cannabis. Amazing. Um, and what he talked about is how he got started very young, like 19 or whatever, working at a medical dispensary in California because California has been legal for medical for a very long time mm-hmm. and he was a bud tender, right? So he was, he was the guy behind the desk, you know, talk with patients came in, and He, you know, they talk about what do you like? What do you not like? Um, and so from that, he got to see all the different types of customers and he got to see like, you know, where you or I might come in and say, well, this is what I like. This is what I think I would like. Right. He got to see at the point of sale, what the people really liked, right? What people came back again right. and again and again. Mm-hmm. Then the second thing was, uh, at, at some point, the owner of the of the dispensary allowed him to do the buying for the dispensary. So when the producers would come in, mm-hmm. he was allowed to, help to negotiate the prices and pick which strains got the best. You know, got, got first of all, got picked and then went, where they got to be and what got recommended. Right. So I think that is really the secret to his success. Because he spent so many years coming up in the game that way, he got to see what the customers want, what the LPs have, and then he got to see the feedback loop. Yeah. Something you've talked about before. Yeah, the 360 feedback loop
1: that is big in the black market.
0: For sure. He got to see this stuff is the good stuff, this stuff sells. Yeah. Right? This is how you differentiate yourself. This is what not many people have. Mm -hmm. Right? This is the good stuff that moves. This is why it's
1: good. Most important. Exactly.
0: And so if you look at cookies, they don't really grow. Like, Cookies goes and essentially white labels. They bring in their phenotypes. They bring in their uh, genetics. I
1: love hearing this,
0: by the way. Yeah. white label. For sure. And and they go, they find the grower and they go, look, here's our genetics. Mm -hmm. You know, please grow these strains for us. And they will grow them. Cookies will package them, slap the label on, right? And then they will sell them. So Cookies is truly, truly a brand. And if you look at uh, other markets, they have expanded to other markets, through partnerships. Right. Right. Like with Gage, mm-hmm. right? In, in, uh, same in Illinois, same in Mass. Like they've got partners who will grow the product for them. Right. And they're not there growing it themselves.
1: Right. And that is a key milestone in the evolution of cannabis.
0: And for brands, I'll say that until you prove that your name, somehow you can sell a product and you can ship scale mm-hmm. because of your name. Yeah um and you can do that consistently not just one quarter or one year mm-hmm. right that's how you show me that the brand is worth something that makes sense that makes sense so we we got a whole list of things So let's just kind of run you through. know we'll, we'll go a little faster um, vertical integration well well what do, what, have, what we say well, for so a hold, long on, time? hold on hold on hold on hold Uh-oh, on here we go. hold on hold on hold on <laughs>
1: hold on before we continue on this because we're talking about the evolution cookies is a prime example of specialization yes agreed. okay so let's, absolutely let's 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 put well, we, that because and we
0: also don't know what cookies numbers look like they're yeah, private, private yeah, yeah yeah um so from from the outside they look like you know a shining star yeah right but again you never know until you actually see the numbers right okay
1: so for vertical integration i mean like i was the biggest propo- i was the biggest <laughs> i was really against vertical integration. we both were yeah because specialization, to me, makes sense. That's yes. the evolution of most industries. Go, like, Every industry. Well, excluding, like, oil. Well, and, know, and like,
0: once in a while, people will vertically integrate, but yeah. it's,
1: it's the exception, not the rule. It's the exception, not the rule. And every single pitch deck we saw, it was the rule rather than the exception. Right. You know? They mm-hmm. were like, we're going to be vertically integrated. We're going to be... So we're against it. I'm still against it. Okay. However, though, my thesis is proving to be incorrect in certain states mm-hmm. or certain jurisdictions, which are states that have created these barriers. Because I've always said vertical integration... Um, to be successful, they have artificial barriers. And what I mean by artificial barriers is government regulations. Once those regulations get lifted, then vertical integration no longer makes sense, right? I'm still under that belief, but I will you know, concede defeat at this point. Mm-hmm. Vertical integration is working in certain areas. Yep. Florida is a, a prime example of that. Um, but it's also failing in other areas. California, great example of that, right? Being a vertically integrated cannabis operator in California is not necessarily ideal,
0: yeah, I don't... Well, so it, interesting point, right? So if you look at the people who started with specialization, um, most of them have either failed or pivoted. So we'll talk about a couple examples here. So in California, for example, there's a company called Harborside. Mm-hmm. So Harborside is a iconic retailer yep. in California. Um, and they have really shifted the business now. And I don't know a ton about them, but they've shifted the business to have their own white label products and cultivation. Okay. So now they grow their own, they have their own harborside brand. So a lot of the products that they sell now are their own products. Not all of them, but, you know, some portion. And that's really helping improve their financials, right? Because they just couldn't capture the margin to make it work. Okay. Okay. So that's one example. Another example, Planet 13. So exact same story. Planet 13, mega store in Las Vegas. They have done really impressively well, even through COVID. They've, yep. they've done well. I think the valuation is insane, personally um but you know hey I, I don't own it it's not my problem uh but if you look at their financials and their improvement they've driven it through vertical integrating so they went from just being a store to now they also uh cultivate Okay. Yeah. same thing now if we go to extraction right so uh extraction medifarm labs they were like look we're just going to be a bulk provider of input mm-hmm. plus we're going to be a white label manufacturer right right um Then they've come out now and said, we're going to have our own brand, right? Right? So they've got their own CBD brand and they just launched a new brand. It's more medically focused. Yeah. Right. But again, pivot away from being specialty to being a little more vertically integrated. For sure.
1: For sure. Um, The one thing that I want to go back to just to sort of defend ourselves on this is when we looked at these companies originally, the specialization companies you know they were able to expand to become vertically integrated because they proved out that they could do this one part of the value chain really well, and they slowly grew. Right when we talk about MSOs, you know I'll have the same, I'll have a, a very similar analogy. Um, but the companies that came out and said we are going to be vertically integrated, built out these massive buildouts, mm-hmm. they're the ones who failed. That was our that was that was that was both of our biggest gripes for our vertical integration was vertical integration required
0: insane capex. As well as specialization across the entire value chain. So uh, I want to differentiate because there's two different things, and, and this goes into another point about MSOs, right? Um, and you know, obviously MSOs are the flavor of the year right now, right? I mean, yep. uh, People only want to talk about MSOs, which is great, mm-hmm. right? That's that's fantastic. But uh, you know, you mix kind of two points there. So uh, vertical integration is tough because you require more capital, but also you require a lot more human expertise. Yeah. right the the comp, you're you're not just doing one business now or like retail you're doing retail and cultivation and processing like if you're in Florida for example you're doing you're doing cultivation you're doing processing you're doing distribution and you're doing retail you're doing mm-hmm. four businesses yeah right like that is really really tough so um so you know that's that's really hard it's hard to get all of those things right and do them in a cost efficient manner mm-hmm. but if you can yeah the rewards are phenomenal yeah right the rewards are really really good but over time i still believe you will see specialization for sure for right sure. as as it begins to make more sense as the industry becomes more competitive yeah. in certain states you will see some level of specialization i still yeah. do believe that
1: yeah I think we talked about this in another episode too, where mm-hmm. we went back on the vertical integration. I reiterated the fact that, like, sure. eventually, as as the, as the sector continues, as the sector continues to evolve, mm-hmm. we will start seeing specialization. specialization. It's just, yeah, it's I, I think
0: you're seeing it too. Except, you know, in limited license markets, like, you know, sometimes you need to be able to control your own destiny. Mm-hmm. So, if you're in Illinois, for example, it's your product is king. So, if you have your retail dispensaries. Right, that's great. Each dispensary is very valuable, but uh, if you're just a standalone retailer and you can't get your hands on product, it's not good. Right. Whereas at least if you control your own cultivation, and you have, you know, you can feed your own retail stores and make sure you know you're not ever out of product. Mm-hmm. Right. This is to go back to TrueLeave, why I'm worried about vertical integration going away. Um, now, by the way, they're they're pitching now Leave is pitching that as a positive, because they're like, oh, we can't wait to be wholesalers. Right. Which okay. I believe. Makes right? sense. Yeah. I believe that's how industries evolve. Um, but the reason why truly part one of the reason I mean they're a phenomenal company but one of the reasons they do so well is because their store is always stocked. They've always got the product. They've always got the goods. Right. And a lot and of other distribution others, is very important. Oh, it's bigger than distribution. It's a cultivation. Yeah, they have the you know two million square feet of space where yeah. that they grow cannabis out of, right?
1: Or oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say distribution. I meant I mean say supply chain logistics is very important.
0: Supply, business, even, so. even just the supply. Yeah. So other dispensaries you go to, and oh, we don't have flour this week. You yeah. know, we don't have this product. Like, come on, like you can't run a business like this. No, you can't. So truly, captures- You can't build a brand
1: like that either. If you're the flower Totally the LP, right? Totally,
0: totally, right. So, so. Do I think Truly is going to wholesale when VI goes away? Of course, I think they're going to be you know the number one brand in, across the state. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's going to be positive or negative for them?
1: It's tough to say. It's all right now.
0: Tough to say, but like,
1: what are they, aren't they like thirty bucks right now?
0: So uh, Canadian, yeah, roughly, yeah. roughly. I, I mean, it's all valuation, right? I mean, based on their PE, they're trading at maybe eight times EBITDA. Yeah, that's pretty cheap for the like for any industry, right? Uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, the market nave-
1: trades what 16? Well, before I haven't checked recently, but 16 PE 16 is probably like- PE, so EBITDA yeah. would be even, yeah, would, would be, yeah,
0: yeah, or other way around, yeah. But the point being that compared to other companies, you know, they're cheap, but yeah, again, who knows what's going to happen, right? So, one of the things is when you're trying to understand trends, it's okay to say, I don't know, right? You, you, like, you don't always have to have the answer to everything, you can say, Look, with, with this Florida thing. I think wholesale would be good for True Leaf, but then I think it would, you know, everybody wholesaling to each other evens out the retail game a little bit, a lot maybe, mm-hmm. and I think that would be bad for their stores. So what's the net effective of all this, right? It's that maybe their revenue keeps growing, but maybe their margins come down, mm-hmm. right? Like that's kind of a thesis that I have, competition
1: but, increases, right, right. So but I, I
0: hold lot. I hold this thesis very very loosely. Okay. Like, I'm open to looking at the data. I don't have a strong opinion on this either way. Okay. And I just keep watching it as it evolves. Right. Right. right? So, um, let's keep going. Importance of dispensaries. You remember we had this debate. This is early days we had this debate. Very early days. So and I've come around to
1: this. Right. And you've gone the other I've, way. I flip. We switched <laughs> positions now. <laughs> yeah. I rem- mean, I, remind people of the original. So, originally... I was under the belief that, okay, the like dispensary is, you know, your short-term opportunity. Um, eventually, like every other sector, people are going to eventually go to e-commerce because you look at, like, anything else, you know, uh, e-commerce is tends typically tends to be cheaper, more convenient, mm-hmm. um, might take a little bit longer, but it's not it's not the end of the world. So right? you sit at your home and they deliver it too? Exactly. But where the dispensaries added the values early on, and this is where I thought the... This is, this is what, what I thought was going to happen, was... If you don't know anything because of how nascent the sector is, and if you're a new entrant to the to the to the sector or mm-hmm. to the market, you go speak to a bud tender. The bud tender then guides you through sure. the product selection, mm-hmm. and then you purchase maybe once or twice from that dispensary. But eventually, you will transition to online. That's what my whole thing mm-hmm. was based off yep. of. Um, that that's sort of what's happening right now. Um, but recently mm-hmm. I've uh, yeah so exactly it it, it it kind of is it's kind of is it kind of is happening to a lot of people in Ontario I don't know about the rest of the world um, and this is why in like Illinois for example and mm-hmm. all these other places um, and people like people line up they like to go to the stores
0: so yeah so a couple things on like that so um it depends right so in Illinois for example uh, I don't think there's delivery at all and there's no Like in Ontario, we have, you know, the government OCS website where you can get things shipped to your house next day, uh, 20 to 30 percent cheaper than going into a store. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a consumer, you're really, really incentivized to go on the OCS and just buy directly. Yeah. Right. Um, In Illinois, there is no government, you know, website you go to uh, and you have to do, you know, pick up go to the store and do pickup i think I, I believe so there's no delivery right so you know to your point sometimes there's just barriers right you can't you can't do it mm-hmm. um now on the dispensary thing what we did agree that on was that in general over time people will shift towards e-commerce mm-hmm. right and i was saying look abby i think you're discounting how important these retailers are which i was you were but yeah. you know again these are this is how it goes and um but over time, I said, yeah, look, over five, ten years, we will see that shift. To your point, though, and why I've kind of come around is that with COVID, right, For I know that I've shifted. What's the point of going to the store, like going in this store, like in the COVID times, when you can go on the OCS website and get it 30% cheaper? Right. Right? And like, I'm an educated consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Like I go in and talk to some of these bud t- like. I don't think I've ever talked to a bud tender where I was like, you know, super, super, like I'm talking about the last, I don't know, couple months, but when you and I went to one
1: like a year ago, I guess it was was a while back. Yeah. yeah, Nova, right? Nova. That was like,
0: I think before 2.0 hit or maybe just when 2.0 hit. Yeah. It was right. It was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, But a lot of times now I go to the, you know, I've been to a couple of stores they are popping up everywhere and I'll Mm -hmm. talk and the person across the counter knows less than I do. Like they're looking at something and, and I'm like, Oh, well, cause is the number
1: of stores is increased. Right. So there's a lot of, yeah, people. they're
0: hiring a lot yeah. of people. And like, to be fair, like that person is probably not obsessed with the industry. Like I am <laughs> right. So like, they're like, Oh yeah, this thing is made by the, and I'm like, no, it's actually made by this company, but you know, whatever. Like it, it's so you're not getting necessarily the value in my opinion, out of the bud tender that you should be. And then you're also paying for it. Right. But, pe- but people, but early days it. though, but early days, uh, this is again, only in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sorry, just to finish the point. Sorry, sure, yeah. COVID accelerated. Like, I was always like, yeah, Abby, maybe you're right, but that's distant future stuff. But COVID accelerated that. Yeah. COVID accelerated the switch to being like, okay, online makes more sense because it's cheaper. Right. But also the incentive structure was set up. Like, if the price was the same, maybe I'd go to the store more. But it's not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, because, like, you, uh, you look at
1: retail and, traditional retail and not cannabis retail, what really drives retail sales? A, price is very important, but what's even more important is experience, right? You need to have a good experience in a retail store. That's like, that's why that I don't sure. know. Con-
0: convenience. I mean, well, location.
1: Convenience. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if you live in the city, right, but most people like will leave the city and go to um, I don't know, like if you live in a suburb, for example, you have to get into your car. You have to go to your near plaza or mall or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of the, the struggles that retail was having was that retail stores that didn't cultivate experiences weren't getting as much traffic. Sure. Right? Um, and the experience for cannabis was the knowledge of the butt tender. Right? Yeah, the iPads on the screens were cool and the, it was cool being in a cannabis store. That that was cool a little bit. Sure. Um, but in Ontario, you would go there early days. These bud
0: tenders knew a lot more about legal products. And right? there were so many products. Yeah. There still are, by the way, so many products. Mm-hmm. Like, like hitting all the time. Yeah, exactly. And so...
1: That's where I was like, okay, I, I overlooked it just being like, well, you know, I think people are... I, I, I thought the consumer was going to be a lot more educated right off the get-go, mm-hmm. but they'd go in there once or twice and um, then they'd just start buying online. Not the case, you know. People went in, bought it once or twice, and just kept going to it. Um, and it was actually funny. I never fact-checked this, so I, I'm going to put this out there, but I don't know if it's true or not. But... Um, <laughs> No no, it so somebody told me this. It was it was a company that was telling me this and they were sure. saying the number one consumed uh, product, sorry, the top one, one of the top consumed products right after purchase is gum and beer. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then they're saying they then they were like, "Well, cannabis is going to be the next one." Right? Yeah, I can um, see it. So, so, exactly. That's why I'm saying I haven't fact-checked. That. I don't know if it's true or not. And so that's why I think the dispensaries still do add value.
0: I bet you the product type matters too. Like I could see pre-rolls P- 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 or something that you you buy for convenience on the go yeah i could see the same for um drinks for like gummies right like i could see people yeah, vapes like all these all these products are made yeah. to go right away sure. right yeah and, and especially like in the summertime when you know uh, which are better sales months by the way for cannabis that's why you right. see that's why you see like july to august is kind of like flat this year in canada yeah but you know they're good months um so what you're what you're you see is like a lot of people will go to the store buy it and go to the park yeah, the right? exactly. Same way like they might be going to the park to pick up a bottle of wine. Right? And so
1: that was one avenue that I completely discounted on the retail side. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Sure. I never even looked at time to consumption from, from receiving totally. the product. Right? That's why I thought people could wait one, two days to get yep. things online. And that's that's what, what shifted you, my mind. Also,
0: you buy like significantly more when you go to the store. I, I've noticed that if you go in the store, you're going to spend a lot of money. More than the OCS? Um, yeah, probably. Like, as in, you go to the store and you're like, oh, I'm just going to grab this one thing. Oh, and then you grab something. Random. You end up yeah, like, yeah. you know, like that's yeah. how life goes, right? You just, you see that, oh, this yeah, is cool. You, oh, yeah. they've got the new beverage. Oh, they got, and you grab something you wouldn't otherwise normally grab. Yeah. That's right? how I bought my mouse pad.
1: <laughs> I talked talked about it one time. At the time. OCS? <laughs> no, no. At, uh, I was talking about it in one of the episodes when COVID first hit. I was trying to go buy a printer and I was like, oh, I should go pick up a mouse pad. And yeah, that's I that that is the, the beauty of pad, retail. Yeah.
0: That is the beauty of retail. Exactly. Another cool little stat for you um, in Florida. So Florida has delivery, but for whatever reason, I guess delivery is not that easy or it's not that loved or whatever. Um, truly, even their updated investor deck talked about the fact that um, when you know when COVID hit, all the buying patterns changed. But now they've kind of changed back a little bit. So uh, I don't remember exactly how it worked out, but s- still, though, delivery as a percentage used to only be like five percent of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID, you know, went like crazy, delivery went crazy high. Now delivery back down to about 15%. I think it's 15 or 20, but I think it's 15.
1: Yeah. Florida's like, it's like 10 to 20 degrees every, all year round. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think people who live in Florida like to be outside.
0: Yeah. May, look, maybe that's it. Right. But I, again, I, one of the things is sometimes, um, we can see the trend, we can see the data, but just don't assume that you know why. Right, like people love going to these retail stores. I can't tell you exactly why, right? Yeah. Especially in Ontario where the prices are higher. Like I talked to a good friend of mine, and he loves walking up to his to the his local store. And I'm like, you know, you're paying way more money to go to the store. And he's like, I don't know, I love it. I just like he that's his thing. He like, he likes to go, you know, go for the walk and yeah. Get now maybe in the dead of winter, I don't know if he'll feel the same way.
1: I don't know, man. Like I mean,
0: maybe who knows? Okay, let's keep let's keep going because we got a lot of these. Extraction.
1: Yeah. Challenging a, a sector that I was super bullish on actually about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, very challenging industry here now in Canada. Um, I'm still bullish on extraction. Having mm-hmm. said that, though, I'm not buying any extraction names at the moment. I'm mm-hmm. holding on to the ones that I already own. He's theoretically um, bullish. I, well, no, no, no. I'm, He's
0: bullish with somebody else's money.
1: I'm a, <laughs> I'm OPM, <laughs> other people's money. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, no, no. I, I, I'm... I'm not bearish, let's say that. Okay. Okay. So I'm not selling extraction names. Sure. Um, I'm not picking anything up at, at, at the dip right now. So maybe I shouldn't use the word extremely bullish. Uh, it's a hold for me more or less on the portfolio I that I have. I still believe in the business model because sure. it goes back to our specialization case, which mm-hmm. I believe is still going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's had its challenges right now, but in Canada, it's the challenges are not within the extractors themselves. It's a... There's a lot more licenses being granted. so there's sure. increased competition. B, there's a capital crisis that you and I talked to you about multiple times in in, in the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, it's the fear of it being brought in-house,
0: which is which has happened. Yeah, which has and, happened. and um, one of the big reasons it happened is because in 2019, when all of the all of the LPS were struggling, The extractors were superstars. Yeah, exactly. So every LP started going, okay, well, we're going to also be an extractor, Mm -hmm. right? Because they wanted to, I think it was really first just to capture the capital markets hype. Yeah. But, you know, it's not that expensive to buy the equipment. Yeah. We talk about the talent, right? But that too gets figured out with enough time and money.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that that's what it is, right? So it's uh, I always said that the um, barrier to entry for extraction was not capital or equipment. It was always the human, the, the human the talent. talent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I use the chef example. You know, you buy a better oven. You're not not necessarily a better cook. You got to actually learn mm-hmm. how to cook to be a better to be a, to become a better chef. Um, I still believe in that. I still think that, you know, true master extractors that do their own standalone thing can create a product. But when you're just cranking out large volume extraction, mm-hmm. you know, craft quality gets compromised. And you, you, sure. you're you still within quality parameters, mm-hmm. right? It's still quality. It's still a quality brand. Um, but volume becomes a little bit more important. And so I think that's why we're seeing these bigger extraction companies um, be brought in-house.
0: Yeah, so look, a couple things on that. I I still, by the way, am quite bullish on extraction. Now, we should say also one of the things with extraction is extraction is really a Canadian story because um, while there are standalone extractors in certain states like California, uh, Michigan I think also has processing, um, in general you can't really go find me a publicly traded U.S. extractor. I know I've looked, right? We've talked about one before that I didn't like so I won't even mention it again. But um, so so really, we're talking about you know Valence and, and Medifarm, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some smaller ones, but those are the the big boys, right? So um, I do think that when you look at these, like the story of 2.0, um, what happened in 19 is almost irrelevant because they had ex- exceptional performance because it was all you know being paid for by LPS who had too much money and not enough business sense. Mm-hmm. So those days are gone. You got to forget about those. Uh, now looking forward, I think the 2.0 story is very is gonna play out similar, not the same, but similarly to the 1.0 story. So what happened in cannabis 1.0? Not enough sales, not enough distribution points. Um, you push out any flower at a high price and it got bought up, right? Um, and then now quality matters. So now to your point, you're either value or you're, you know, high quality, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to be high quality and sell a $12 gram. But the question is sell through. Will the, will the consumer actually show up and buy it, buy it at that price? And will they buy enough of it at that price? Mm -hmm. Okay. 2.0 will have a similar kind of story. So there's a ton of product already out there because Medifarm and Valence sold a ton of product, right? They, they did, did a ton of bulk resin sales and extraction sales. So there's a lot of inventory floating out there already. So that's Mm -hmm. a big negative. The positive is uh, the 2.0 product sales are really a fraction of what they will be a year from today. In general, um, the August sales numbers are up to $3 billion run rate. Okay? I think by the time you get to the end of the year, you could be closer to three and a half bill. Okay? I Run rate. Run rate. Run rate. So, if you made a bet, <laughs> you would still be wrong. I think I think you'll probably... I have to look closer to the numbers, but you're probably going to be something like two and a half, Bill. But it'll... Like, for the whole year, but it's accelerating on the back half. Right. 2.0 is going to capture, to what we've talked about before, up to 50% of that market in a very short amount of time. Okay. Maybe a little bit less because edibles are a mess in Canada and the packages are too small and blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be a healthy sales number. So... I do think the extractors, so like the LPs, the LPs at today's sales numbers are struggling. But next year, when we have this huge growth in the Ontario market and continued growth in other markets, that three and a half billion dollar run rate could be more like five billion or mm-hmm. maybe even more. Yeah. And I have to look closer at these numbers, but this is just me spitballing. So of that five billion, right? If extraction is capturing even forty yeah. percent or thirty five percent, it starts to get really exciting. Yeah. So basically you're really early stage, these numbers are brutal right now, but they're trending in the right direction. That's what I believe. I have conviction in that. Yeah. Um, however, like to your point, it's Increase not something competition. Oh sorry. Well, I was, was going to say I'm not necessarily like going crazy on buying new extraction deals. Yeah. Right? I have a lot of it in my portfolio already. You know, the ones like Valence that I'm taking a beating on, I'm buying some more just averaging down the cost, but mm-hmm. very cautiously. Yeah. If I can actually see the data and see that the market has turned and and my thesis is playing out, then I might back it up with some more money and really get aggressive on it. Right. Right? But I've already been aggressive enough that I'm not you know, I'm not rushing out to do more. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, but I would give it... So on this point, I need to give it more time to play out. Yeah. So I think a year-ish, in a year from now, we should see that inflection point. Right. If we haven't seen that, then you really got to reevaluate what's going on.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. And then, I mean, you didn't talk about the increased competition, but there's a lot of extraction companies that are coming online. New licenses are being granted all, sure. granted all the time. This is one one of my evolution, or sorry, one of my thoughts on Canada, um, was that uh, you know Canada the same thing with with LPs. There's over 400 licenses addressing about 30 million population. Uh, I don't even know what the total addressable actual market here in Canada is for cannabis, but it's definitely not going to be the entire population. Um, and you look at something like
0: Florida, which has what like 14
1: licenses. I think you said uh, um, four. Yeah, I mean they
0: really have seven or eight. Yeah. Serious competitors, but they have 21 or 22 licenses in total.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so and it's it's a, yeah, exactly. But really,
0: it's seven or eight players splitting the whole pie right now. Right,
1: exactly. So that's why I think, you know, with increased competition, that's another reason that we're cautiously optimistic on extraction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean look, the, the market, you, like, you're seeing how hard a, a top-tier company like Valence is struggling, and they're doing, you know, almost $20 million of sales a quarter. Yeah. So the new guy coming online... You know, unless they can really control their cost structure and do it on a shoestring budget, Mm -hmm. good luck. Right. Right? That is the benefit of a tough market. Right. Is that it really weeds out the competition. So that is kind of our thesis on Canada, that the sales have to increase significantly, which they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the competition has to decrease. The competition has to decrease, or you have to
1: find some sort of niche in the extraction space. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple, ca- there's a couple extraction companies that I've seen that are smaller, lower valuation than mm-hmm. Valens. So Valens, you're right, mm-hmm. is like the shining star. Mm-hmm. They have a massive facility. Um, Rockstar management team. They've done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still some small extraction companies that I think will be able to catch up to Valens, but I don't think we're going to see that same growth that we saw in the early lab days. You know, weren't like six, seven bucks. Right. Oh,
0: yeah. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be tough to get there without, you know, exactly, without putting up huge numbers and profitability. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, so keeping it rolling here medical versus rec. I used to say earlier in this podcast that. Medical markets are nice, but you can't really make money on med markets. It's all about the rec markets. I agree with you. I believe
1: that. I believe that, mm-hmm. I believe that rec- the the story for cannabis was a recreational story, yes, and not a medical story or a sure. medicinal story. Um,
0: Europe is different, so let's let's go there later. Okay, but I'm so my point was that I was wrong, and True is the best example of that, right? Scale cultivation. In a late stage medical market, that's a lot of money they're making,
1: right? But what classifies as a medical patient in Florida, right? So I mean, you, I know you you did a shout out earlier, sure. Somebody who has this, so maybe, um... well, that's
0: we can have that conversation. But um, to the, the to just get to the point though about how things change, they used to say that kind of a mature medical market was one percent of the state have medical cards. So, in Florida, of 20 million people, that'd be 200,000 medical patients. Okay. That would be mature. And they, they go, okay, after that, then you're kind of a late stage medical market, right? Um, but this just shows you how fast the industry has moved. Florida now has f- over 400,000 patients active. That's over 2% penetration. Right. And they're, they're saying they think thinking it up t- to something around 4%. So... I mean, massive, massive numbers that a couple of years ago, nobody would have even thought possible. Pennsylvania, for example, has exploded up to 3% penetration.
1: Right. But before, we got to remember, right, when, I guess not when we had these theses, but, um, or thesi Theses. Theses, there you go. (laughs) We had this little grammatical joke earlier on the phone. Uh, Anyway, so going back to the medical uh, market, um, the medical market used to be you could only get a medicinal card if you had an actual ailment, sure. So I don't know if that's
0: I don't well, think, I don't think that applies. So, so it depends, right? So it depends on the market. Everyone has a different list of permitted conditions, and then you'll also see, um, like usually a, a, a huge like uptick if they add certain conditions. Right. So imagine you know if they add anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Obviously that broadens who can get a card, you know, significantly. Right. Right. So it depends how tight or loose the medical but in program some, is. Some places
1: you can say back pain.
0: I mean, maybe you could, right? Yeah. But I don't know, like, like, and you know, again, this would be useful to talk to somebody in the Florida medical program. Shout out CIN podcast at gmail But you know, for example, like, what do you need to get opiates from your doctor? Can you go in and say, "I have back pain," right? I, I don't know. Or do they do yeah. they make you demonstrate it in some way? Ah, my back. Pick, pick up that pencil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my doctor says I have a back So, so it, it it depends. I mean, to your point, right? But. I I don't think Florida, by any means, is just a handout medical handout card kind of state. I mean, there there's a very real list of conditions that you have to qualify for. For You have to go through a doctor. You have to go through. Now, one of the things that's happened also, telemedicine because of COVID, has made it more efficient. They can process a lot more patients. Yeah. Right. They did in one week like six or seven thousand patients. They added to the program. When before they were only adding two thousand a week. Right. So it just shows you like things change. Yeah. Right. And also as programs become more accepted and people are more, you know, more open about it or, or more, um, you know, destigmatized, Yeah. Then maybe somebody who was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to get a card. I don't want to be labeled like that. Maybe that's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Like maybe like more people willing to show up and actually, that's
1: actually another change in the, in the sector was I don't, I don't hear the bad stigma associated with the sector anymore.
0: A which lot less good. so, yeah, for yeah, sure. Which is good. Sorry for that sure,
1: I just popped in my head as you were talking.
0: No, for sure. So, Florida, Pennsylvania—they're showing how good a late-stage medical market can be, right? And then the rec market, obviously, is is an exponential, usually something like two to five times in terms of sales. Better than that, right. but just to throw you a little curveball, um, you know, there was a there was a note today about Pennsylvania talking about how in Pennsylvania they have like how we have the LCBO here how we have like govern or you know government controlled retail outlets for alcohol yeah um i guess they have something similar in Pennsylvania and they're talking about those maybe those retailers will also sell cannabis or maybe like maybe that they will have cannabis go through that system only that's pretty cool well it's interesting it's interesting because what it would do is it means that um you know the sales for Pennsylvania will be captured by the government system, and then they can sell that at some point to a private company and raise billions of dollars. Right, billions and billions of dollars they can get by by completing that sale. Right. Okay. Uh, now that would be bad for the Pennsylvania operators who have retail. Yeah. Right, because then they would only theoretically. This is all theory. It would only be allowed to do medical, not retail, or sorry, not recreational. Right. Right. So that would be very bad for them. Um, and then on top of that, of course, you're assuming all these things about Pennsylvania that they'll be able to pull off a prop- profitable operation. Somebody will want to buy those stores at the end of the day. Somebody will ha- give them that kind of money to buy those stores, right? So they have to put money into it as well, right? Right. But it's just interesting to see when we're talking about understanding trend changes, Pennsylvania has become one of the hottest markets. People mm-hmm. really want to be in Pennsylvania. True Leaf paid to get in. Um, Juicy paid to get in. Uh, air just paid to get in, right? Suddenly, if you get a curveball like this, you know, good for the cultivation, really good for cultivation, not so good for the retail. Right. So it just shows you like, you know, things can really change on you. Quite like
1: on the snap of a finger. Totally. Mm -hmm. So
0: if you are a single state, you know, Pennsylvania retailer. Yeah. You got to be a little nervous right now.
1: More or less, yeah. Right?
0: If you're not vertically integrated.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: All right. To wrap it up, Last few minutes here, let's just talk about the upcoming U.S. election. There's an election upcoming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look in the context of a little bit of just general, and then the context of cannabis. So, sure. um, we're a week away, right? The next, but next time we do this podcast will already be past election day. We may have results that day. We may not. Right? Um, just some really fascinating numbers so uh, typically voter turnout in a US election of all eligible voters is something like 50 to 55% that's typically the the percentage of people who show up Um, the last really big year I think was 2008 where uh, Obama ran for the first time and that had like 60% voter turnout Mm -hmm. and that was huge Right. they think this year it could be 60 to 65% Voter turnout that include mail in ballots, Uh, everything, okay, everything. So so far, mail in ballots, and I think this also includes early voting. So that people include the people who are already deceased sending (laughs) in mail in (laughs) (laughs) ballots, people who voted a couple times already. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. So seventy million ballots cast already, uh, holy early, and we've still got a week to go.
1: That's that's a good that's a good ratio. Wow,
0: massive, massive numbers. Twenty percent of the population. Right, but in terms of the actual votes, it's over 50% have already been cast. Oh, wow. Right? And so what I always say about elections, especially U.S. elections, especially any election involving Donald Trump, you never know what's going to happen. Until the day of. So, are these polls? I, I'm I'm not, I'm
1: really not following this yeah, election that closely. Sure. Like I'm watching CNN, whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm not digging into the numbers. Are these polls taking that into consideration when when you're seeing like Biden winning by the landslide?
0: Mm-hmm. What sorry. What what are you asking me?
1: Like you know when you when you see these polls sure. that come out, if you watch CNN, Biden's winning. Even Fox News was saying that Biden was going to win. Like Washington Herald, all mm-hmm. those. Uh, uh, Newspapers that come out, sure, when they uh, do the projections, yeah. Are they taking those ballots into consideration?
0: I mean, I'm sure they must, right? But like, it, look, polling in general is is often flawed, and like national polling is almost useless, yeah. right? Because elections are not determined by tens of millions of people. They're determined by you know state by state and even county by county, right? Because you don't just win a state; you win the different counties, and that's how you it goes up to the state total. So. When they talk about, for example, um, election manipulation, right, it, the reason it's so effective is because you don't need to trick 10 or 20 or 30 million people. You need to get 10,000 people to flip a certain county, right? So to your point about polling, I don't know, right? Okay. It, it really depends. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at things like Texas is up for grabs, I mean, I haven't, you know, that, that's yeah. never in my lifetime I've seen that, yeah. right? I mean, the fact that Biden might win in Texas, I think we are standing at the precipice of a crushing blue wave. I mean, look,
1: I've, I've, everything is pointing towards that. Um, Texas, however, though, tech obviously is Repu- has always been Republican, or not I don't know, always been, but yeah, always. With, with well, I mean, 10, 10s, who knows? You, you know sure. what I mean? Like, if we were if we were betting, we'd, we'd every pre- previous election would probably be red. Um, but You got to remember, man. There's a big tech community that's coming in. To Dallas, mm-hmm. right? So there is a lot of, you know,
0: more liberal people that are coming in that, yeah, uh, that, could, that's, that could flip I'm, it. I'm sure that's changing. I mean, look, also, it's it's a strong Latino uh, population there. Right? Are they not fans of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He got 30% of the Latino vote last time, which is mind-boggling to me. But, hey, it is what it is. But look, look the demographics are changing all over, and... You know, Trump is an exceptional candidate. And I mean that that in that he is the exception <laughs> to almost every rule ever written in politics. Yeah, right? he is. He and is, a lot yeah. of times that works in his favor, and a lot of times it doesn't. So in the case of, you know, Texas, right, a standard Republican could probably win Texas, right? But Trump is anything but standard, right? Yeah, that's true. So, I, I mean, to me, it looks like we're on the precipice of that. Now, look, polling is flawed inherently i think it's especially flawed when it comes to trump i think people are even scared to say that they like trump yeah right so you never know and then also you're hearing you know these the fbi said look there's there's going to be a coordinated attack in terms of sending people misinformation on election day and telling them you know trying to scare them away from going to the polls right so you never know what'll happen on that day right it all comes down to one day but over 50 percent of the ballots are already cast right that's that's and it looks like a lot of those early ballots are against Trump. That's pretty encouraging for Biden, right? So I really think, and then you look at like states like Georgia are up for grabs, like what are we talking about? I mean, he, this could be a crushing defeat for Trump and why it really, really matters for cannabis investors. Um, we could win a lot of Senate seats here. Right? we meaning the Democratic Party meaning the party that has endorsed legalizing cannabis right if the Senate flips like game on guys I'm not saying it's going to be legal this year but like the old that, capital
1: markets will price that in right what
0: more can you ask for yeah what more can you ask for so that's my just two cents that I've been I've been thinking about a lot so much so that uh, you'll you'll find this funny we have a, I have a deal to buy somebody's shares for a private company that we've papered, we've signed the whole bit, right? And uh, the seller's dragging his feet, right, on on doing these kind of, like, uh, background checks that have to happen or whatever. And um, I'm just like, man, like, because he keeps delaying it week after week. And I'm like, man, if the election is a huge blue wave, like, what are the odds this guy just decides not to sell anymore, right? Just, like, yeah. pulls out of the deal completely. That's pretty funny. Um, and and I, I really do think there's a high, high probability like that's that's where my bet is right now that that we could see a huge blue wave with the caveat that never count Trump out because he is a absolute wild animal and he will do whatever he has to do you know no matter what to to try to win
1: uh, for sure for sure and uh I mean look you said it all I don't really want to make too much of a comment on it like i i it's it's uh i, I I wouldn't count Trump out. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if he wins, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Um, if I'll say, this, if he I, wins, yeah, uh, he, you know, like kudos to him because I can't imagine another person who can pull off what is going exactly. a win in the face of like huge Record incompetency. On, yeah. In the pandemic, the face yeah, of the pandemic, right? For sure. In general, re-election is harder than when you initially run because people like you less.
1: You've but if you look at some of the like social media stuff, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe not 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 so much mainstream mm-hmm. media because he calls them all fake news. So they don't like posting <laughs> his stuff. There's a lot of Trump supporters, and look, we saw this in 2016. Yes. Where Hillary was projected to win, and I was like, oh, there's no way Trump's going to win. I even went to bed early.
0: That, and, and I think that is a big, uh like, so that attitude, I think, helps tighten the polls at the last minute yeah. because the supporters go, oh, we've got this in the bag. Trump's a joke. Yeah. Right. So part of the perfect storm this time, I bet you people are going to be like, no, 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 I have to vote. Even if it looks like it's going to win, nobody's counting Trump out this time. Right. Yeah. Everyone's like, we saw what happened in 2016. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a, a joke I heard that, uh, you know, they were they were asking these people at the early polling stations like, hey, how long have you guys been waiting to vote? And some lady yelled, four years. But <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty but, good but the, yeah, the, the base sure. is energized. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think you're going to see the results of that, you know, and, and just in general, for any president running for reelection, nine percent unemployment You know, a a referendum essentially on, you know, you know, if you look at what this election is about, in my opinion, uh, I don't know anyone who's super excited for Joe Biden. It's really a referendum on Trump.
1: Right. Like, I know Kamala Harris is there, too. So she's like, I know people are excited about her.
0: Sure. But I, I don't you know, she's not the top of the ticket. Right. No. Like, hey, look! I'm excited about her. She's the, the was the senatorial sponsor of the Moore Act, Yeah, right? and the she'll most... be the
1: first. Well, she'll, she'll also be the first female vice president. That's true. Yeah. Um. More Act. She's also minority. Sure. Um.
0: No, there's there's a lot of
1: positive that she's got going. on. Yeah. Sure. And... I'm
0: I'm just saying that's. I don't think the election is about you know Kamala Harris. Okay. Right. I, I think the election is about get Trump, Trump out. The ele- no the election is Trump. Like, you know, the, the Democrats saying Trump is bad. Trump has no plan, right? This guy's bad for the country, right? Trump saying I'm the, be- I'm the best, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thing that's happened to Abraham Lincoln or whatever yeah, he said, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, and that's the, that's the question at the ballot box. I think it's, it's literally, you know, are you happy with Trump or are you sick of Trump? Right. And I think in general, every, like, you know, maybe it was a fun ride for people in 2016, Maybe if the economy was still where it was at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe he would even have the upper hand. Yeah. But in general, I think it's just things have gotten a little too real for people. Yeah. Um, I th- I think people are scared. I think there's way too much unemployment. They did not pass another stimulus. Mind boggling. Mind boggling. Right. Like. But
1: Trump it, blames the Democrats for
0: that. Sure. They'll blame each other. But ultimately, when things are really bad, usually the person in charge gets blamed. For sure, but do you think Trump's supporter base sees that? I mean, look, he's not going to get 0% of the vote, right? No, of course not. He's going to get, you know, he doesn't, at the end of the day, you know, a 55 to 45 win is a blowout in politics. Okay. Right? So it's about that middle of the country, right? His base of people will always love him for who he is, Mm -hmm. no matter what, right? If you shoot somebody in Times Square or whatever, you know, his quote was, right? They'll still love him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right? true. Yeah. So I, I so so I think that is huge for cannabis. Like I really really do think this a blue wave would just be one of the biggest catalysts. I don't know if the stocks will all go up. Some people talk about sell the news events. We'll talk about this more next week, but I yeah. I don't think this is a sell the news event. I think this is something that after they win and after and again, it could take weeks for this thing to be decided. Who knows, right? But um after they win after everything is digested and people start thinking about what's next right i could really see this being like a rolling wave of interest building in these us names as people start you know digesting the fact that suddenly you have a blue senate and you have a you know a blue president and these people are really in favor of cannabis right right i really think you could see some crazy stuff happen if all this happens gotcha yeah and, and and if it doesn't i would be buying like if the prices don't move and people are just whatever about it, back up the truck and start. start if buying. it's a blue sweep oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. If we get the if the Dems get the Senate, right, exactly. And, and very lastly, we, we're uh, way out over time, but um, very lastly here, there's uh, four ballot measures or five ballot measures, I think. Uh, New Jersey, Arizona, Mississippi, South Dakota, Montana. So in order, I go. Uh, New Jersey's a lock. We're getting New Jersey full rec the biggest, most consequential state we've gotten so far because yeah. of what's going to come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually... So I think South Dakota, uh, medical probably for sure. Wreck mm-hmm. might come. Um, little tough to tell just because it's confusing the way they're doing the ballot on purpose to try to discourage people from getting it, but I think they'll get med. Um, Mississippi, funny enough, I would put number three. I think we're going to get on the medical program. Okay, the numbers are very encouraging yeah, just from yeah, what I read. That, yeah, but I don't. I don't know. But that would be a huge bellwether. Uh, Arizona, I'll put fourth. Uh, I think we'll get it. I think it'll be a squeaker, though. I think yeah. it'll be less popular than you think. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll get it. And right. then Montana, I'll put last. I don't know anything about Montana, but honestly, out of five of these states, I would be surprised if we didn't get three to four. Like we might, we might go five for five.
1: All right. Okay.
0: So layer that on top of a blue wave. Going
1: five for five with a blue wave. That's like your dream come true.
0: That's almost honestly, my prediction is blue wave plus going four for five. I'll give myself one mulligan there, but (laughs) like, I think we're going to be very, very happy. Maybe not next week, but you know, a month, (laughs) a month out right after After it's all said and done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if it's a really that big of a sweep, mm-hmm. there's not much to contest.
1: No, exactly. If you
0: lose Texas, like, you know, who's going to who's gonna listen to your argument that you should have won, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's Trump, right? He's going to say uh, someone meddled with the election sure. or whatnot. Sure, totally. Who knows? What's Biden's son's name again? Hunter Biden. Hunter, yeah. Hunter meddled with the elections. Yeah. You know, he did something. <laughs> we found his laptop. Yes, I have it here. Yeah. Like, who knows? Who knows, man? <laughs>
0: it's Trump TV coming soon. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right, guys. Uh, we're a little bit over, but uh, that's the episode. CIN podcast at gmail.com. Next time we will be talking to you. It will be past election day. So if you're in the US, please go vote. Until next time.